Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast dedicated, devoted, to chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. We are your hosts. Name of mine is Chris Elphick. What's a sentence? I'm so angry at half of you. Slightly more than half of you. My name's Connor. I don't like you. More on that later. I did some last minute shilling, so we'll see. Oh, okay. Yeah. I might like you again. More to come. What are we doing this week? It's March. We're going to talk about that. It's been chilly this month. Agreed. And I actually have data to back this up. Oh. Yeah. I looked at some historical weather data for the 90s, and in Toronto, the maximum temperature during March always hit at least 11 degrees, and sometimes went as high as like 18, like at least twice. This year's monthly high uh, at whatever Toronto weather station thing that this information comes from, we're sitting at a high of six. And we still got a couple weeks-ish. But it doesn't look good. I've looked at the 14 days. It's not it's, impressive. Yeah, it's going to go warmer, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to get that warm. All right. Let's not talk about the weather, though. And instead, we will talk about another primal force. And that is March Dino Madness Round 2. Voting is now over. I turned it off, like, five minutes ago, maybe. At the time of compiling our episode notes, which I think I was writing this down a couple days ago, we already had more voters than the previous round. So things are heating up and people want to represent their dinosaur. We'll also be talking about some of the events of March 1994. On the 14th, Apple released the first Macintosh computers to use the new PowerPC microprocessors. Uh, This is considered to be a major leap in the personal computer industry. They stopped using them in like 2005 for Intel processors, which is pretty bonkers. That's a lot of time to stick with the same piece of tech. On the 16th, Tonya Harding pled guilty to conspiracy uh, to hinder prosecution for trying to cover up an attack on figure skating rival Nancy Kerrigan. You know, the I, the I, Tonya stuff. We've... We've mentioned that a few times, but now is when it's happening. Speaking of Academy Award winning films, on the 21st, the 66th Academy Awards hosted by Whoopi Goldberg are held at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles. Steven Spielberg's Holocaust drama Schindler's List won seven Oscars while Jerry Seinfeld uh, makes out during a screening of it somewhere. Schindler's List. (laughs) And stepping back a couple of days on the 19th, Nintendo released Super Metroid in Japan. More on that in a bit. Yes. But first, let's go to this week's sponsor, and it's real awesome, because one, it's real, and two, it's pretty awesome. Chris, do you like scary movies? Uh, everything except for all the scary movies after Scary Movie 2. More specifically, do you like scary movies from the 80s? Okay, now we're talking. (laughs) Neon Brainiacs is a podcast where hosts Ben and Greg dissect and sometimes mercilessly mock your favorite horror flicks from the 80s. No stone is left unturned. Neon Brainiacs covers the most well-known franchises as well as some more obscure and poorly done movies from the decade. New episodes are available every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. More information can be found at neonbrainiacs.libsyn.com and they also note here that on Wednesday the 21st, which should be the first episode of theirs that comes out after our show, um, their 28th episode, they're covering Monster Dog from 1984, which actually stars Alice Cooper. So if you're a fan of him, that's worth checking out. Uh, Spoiler alert, the movie sucks. And they include that. So don't get your hopes up about it being a good movie. 
But, you know, podcasts don't have to be about good things. Oh, podcasts about bad things generally are better. So I think this is definitely worth checking out. Ben and Greg are some awesome dudes. Greg with two Gs for a double dose of good stuff. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, they also uh, they also have a band Pumbled. They sponsored an episode a while back, uh, and they we posted up their link, and they've got some new music coming out too. So we'll probably throw it up again, and you'll be able to find all of that information on the Facebook post this week. So one more time, that's neonbrainiacs.libsyn.com. Yep, stuck in the '90s. Brought to you by Neon Brainiacs. Check it out if you like horror, '80s, or movies. That is a wide spectrum. It is. Yeah, they got you covered. Yeah. All right, so before we see how the matchups for the second round of March Dino Madness panned out, we thought we'd take a look at something called the best game of all time. And this comes from Electronic Gaming Monthly in 2002, and it's also called I Should Really Play It Sometime by Chris. Because I he has really How have you not played Super Metroid? NES games were not SNES games were not cheap. Yeah, no, I and I didn't even have an SNES, but I definitely did play this game okay you have it on your snes mini that's true i've played it i've played it relatively recently but also you know way back yeah i just never i never had a friend with it fair enough let's get into it all right so released in japan on march 19th 1994 followed by north america on april 18th and the pal region which is kind of europe australia some some other places in july super metroid was the third installment of the metroid franchise with the previous games being released in 86 and 91 on the NES. So Super Metroid was released on a 24 megabit cartridge, at the time making it the largest SNES game. 24 megabits is about equal to 3 megabytes. So just as a bit of a comparison, an average photo taken with a smartphone these days is going to be larger than that. Super Metroid opens with a narrative by bounty hunter Samus Aran. Samus describes the events of the previous game, Metroid 2, Return of Samus, in which the Galactic Federation employs Samus to travel to the Metroid homeworld SR388 and exterminate the entire species, which they deem too dangerous to exist. Genocide. Yeah, full-blown genocide. Um, But how, after killing everything, she encountered a Metroid larva, which hatched from an egg and immediately printed upon her, believing her to be its mother. Samus hands the hatchling over to the series research station for study. The station is promptly raided, and the hatchling is stolen by the story's antagonist, Ridley. Samus must then follow Ridley to a rebuild base on... How is that pronounced? I don't Zeeb? know. Zeebs? Zeebs? It's like Zeebs? slang for zebras. Yeah. Zeebs. Uh, so on Zeebs, uh, space pirates are once again attempting to clone the Metroids and use them as weapons. You know, history repeats. Yeah. And that's that's basically the storyline. Uh, so if you haven't seen how Super Metroid looks, I think you're missing out. The look and feel of this game was fantastic and really well done for the era. Despite not actually playing this game, I saw it. Uh, once when I was at, I think it was Ontario Place, there was this floor just full of like Nintendo stuff. Okay. And one of the games they had on display was Super Metroid and it looked so good, but it also kind of freaked me out a little bit. I don't know. I was like six. Yeah, I, can, I get that. This is a scarier looking game. Yeah, it's that aesthetic, which now as an adult looks really cool. But to a six year old, I don't know. Maybe terrifying. Weird. So throughout the course of the game, the player can acquire power ups that enhances Samus's armor and weaponry, as well as grant her special abilities, allowing them to gain access to areas that were previously inaccessible, uh, including the morphing ball, which allows Samus to curl into a ball and roll into tight places. 
and plant bombs, as well as the grapple beam, which can be used to swing across open areas. Both of those, if you're not familiar with Samus from like Metroid, you might be familiar with those moves from Smash Brothers. I certainly am, and right? that's one of the reasons we included it in here, because those are some of the more iconic ones. Like, bloom, bloom, and then the... So frustrating. Yeah. So Super Metroid was developed by Nintendo, obviously, with a staff of 15 people managed by Gunpei Yokoi, I hope. I hope I said that right. The game was directed and written by Yoshio Sakamoto. That one's easier to say. The game, which was released almost a decade after the original Metroid game, took half a year to gain approval for the idea. And the actual development of the game took two more years to complete, which I think might be a big deal at the time. When asked why the game took so long to make, Sakamoto responded, We wanted to wait until a true action game was needed and also set the stage for the reappearance of Samus. Uh, shortly before the game's release, the Entertainment Software Rating Board, ESRB, a self-regulating organization, was formed in response to the increasing violence found in games including 92's Mortal Kombat. Maybe you're familiar with that one. When asked whether he thought the recent game violence controversy would cause any negative backlash for Super Metroid, Sakamoto stated, We don't think there's too much violence in the game. Using Samus as an example, he explained that her purpose is to maintain peace in the galaxy, claiming it's not violence for the sake of violence. That's kind of fair. I guess Mortal Kombat is literally violence for the sake of violence. It's great. Yeah, it really is. After Super Metroid's release, there would not be another sequel for eight years, making this the final Metroid game of the 90s, as none of the games in the Metroid series up to this point had enjoyed the level of success that the Mario and Zelda franchises have. Uh, despite the positive reception, it just, it just never happened, and this would be the last appearance of Samus until Super Smash Bros. in 99. The Metroid series is really significant to gaming history. For a Nintendo title, it was definitely less fantasy-based and had more sci-fi elements uh, and inspiration when compared to franchises like Mario and Zelda, uh, with gameplay cues taken from both. Its aesthetic is definitely inspired by movies like Alien, and the antagonist Ridley is uh, certainly a nod to Alien director Ridley Scott. Yeah, straight up named after... And then I don't even know what Mario, what kind of feel that is meant to describe. Plumber meets fantasy? I guess. Plumber fantasy? Oh, not that kind of plumber fantasy. Oh. Anyway, Samus was also one of the first major female protagonists in a video game. So 2013's Guinness World Records Gaming Edition declared Samus as, quote, the first playable human female character in a mainstream video game. Uh, so the co-creator, Yoshi, uh, Yoshio Sakamoto, recalled, We were partway through the development process when one of the staff members said, Hey, wouldn't it be kind of cool if it turned out that this person inside the suit was a woman? The developers voted on that concept and it passed. So the game's instruction manual actually refers to Samus as if she were male to obscure her sex until the end of the first game when Samus is, well, revealed and... Kind of a weird way. She's wearing a bikini. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about in that. In all its 8-bit glory. Uh, so Samus's image was based on uh, actress Sigourney Weaver in her role as Ellen Ripley from Alien, or Aliens, or probably a bit of both, and apparently also from uh, 
actress Kim Basinger from Nine and a Half Weeks and My Stepmother is an Alien. Really, really using the word alien a lot. So good. Samus's reveal in the original Metroid was called the original jaw-dropping moment in gaming by uh, UGO.com. The Irish Times found it refreshing to learn that the series protagonist, who is well disguised under the suit of heavy armor, is female, but Rupert Goodwins of The Independent wrote that the Transformer-like suit she wears could just as easily contain a large centipede. It's hardly a breakthrough for feminism. Regardless of how this was viewed, Samus has remained a strong character and is definitely one of the coolest characters in video games, period. Yeah. She's a little bit Mario and a little bit Link wrapped up in a major badass metal armor. She was Master Chief before there was a Master Chief and possibly the coolest character in the original Super Smash Brothers roster. She could make a Kamehameha before Goku was added, which we're hoping happens on Smash for Wii U. I mean, for Switch. Yeah, true. Bring us Goku. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, that could just tie... Okay, we'll get we'll get back a little bit and tie up some, uh, some Metroid strings in a second. Sure. But uh, this ties into a bit of 90s news now, because both Smash and Dragon Ball are 90s things. Yep. Apparently Funimation, the uh, North American company in charge of uh, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, whatever, Dragon Ball Super, actually uh, put something out like on Twitter or Facebook or something saying like, hey, Nintendo, when is Goku going to be added? So maybe the new Smash Brothers, which uh, has been teased in the last couple weeks uh, for the Nintendo Switch, maybe they'll get Goku in there. That'd be so sweet. Goku versus Samus. Oh, like Kamehameha versus the energy ball that Samus shoots. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Who would win? Well, let's let's leave that here for now. Yeah. Uh, One more thing to cover before we get into the bracket, and that is shout outs. So a podcast listener, Maya, reached out about, oh, man, it was so like. The message was so nostalgic. She was waxing a little bit poetic about Pogs and YTV and Batman and Robin, and we were we were super into that. So shout out to Maya for dropping us a line, because yeah. that was cool. And sending us that wicked picture of the Pogs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't... didn't I didn't, oh, yeah, I didn't know there were YTV Pogs. I didn't know there were YTV Pogs either. So for all of you uh, Canadians out there, do you guys have any YTV Pogs? Because apparently those are a thing that we somehow missed, even though we both live pretty close to Toronto. Yeah, I'm kind of very disappointed I didn't have those because it had that YTV robot that they had yeah, back then. Yeah, like where do... Mm, maybe we can find some. Yeah, YTV Pogs. They were a thing. And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fans of all ages, the moment you've been waiting for, the results of round two, the round of 32. March Dino Madness, let's get into it. All right, so things are getting heated. Uh, The first round took out a lot of dinosaurs that probably didn't deserve to go so early, and a lot of dinosaurs that definitely did. Uh, But some made it through, so we've got some, uh, some matchups are very lopsided, but the races are a lot tighter. These matchups are getting intense just like round one i don't know any of the results except for the one that i do know and fuck you guys more on that very shortly let's go all right so our first matchup is grimlock the transformer versus agumon come on grimlock grimlock won right agumon took that son of a pretty well I'm so mad we are we do not have a lot of transformers fans li- oh my god okay fine agumon's fine all right next question it could be worse okay it could be worse ducky versus fran st Clair. i voted ducky uh so did a lot of people okay ducky destroyed fran yeah sorry fran 
Yeah, you are out. That might be one of the first dinosaurs that uh, that have dropped. Hmm. Yeah, from the dinosaurs series. The family, yeah. Yeah. Petrie from The Land Before Time is up against the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. T-Rex for sure, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we we had some Petrie fans in there. Good like for Petrie. you. Petrie's okay. Yeah. Reptar from Rugrats is up against Charlene St. Clair, also from Dinosaurs. Reptar. Oh, Reptar took yeah. that. Two of for course. two. Of course, yeah. All right. Now we've got Sharptooth from The Land Before Time versus Theodore Rex. This is a tough one. I voted Sharptooth. I voted Theodore Rex. Oh. Yeah. I wanted Theodore Rex to win so bad. It was close. Sharp 46 tooth. to 53. Sharptooth took it. Yes. We but did it. That's uh Sharptooth's yeah. a badass. All right, another really close one, which makes no sense. Okay, Sabretooth Tiger versus BP Richfield from Dinosaurs. I voted BP. I think I did. I don't know what I voted for. I might have voted Sabretooth Tiger because I am salty as fuck about how he took down the Dragon Zord last week. BP Richfield does not fuck around. And he continued to not fuck around. But here's the strange thing. Sabretooth Tiger almost won. It was like a couple of votes. Okay. Which makes no sense because the Dragon Zord got crushed. Well, maybe BP was, uh, you know, a little tired. Yeah, sleeping sleeping on the game. He had a tough game. Oh, fuck. Okay. All right, we've got our first tie. Ooh. And I don't know where I don't know where you're going to sit on this. Okay. The Toronto Raptor versus Megatron. I voted for the Raptor. I think I did too. But because my vote did not, if we both voted for it and it didn't win, I feel like Megatron deserves the nod. I want the Toronto Raptor. I, I see where you're coming from, and it's it's fair. But it's our show. Toronto Raptor wins. Next. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. All right. Green Yoshi versus the Balsa Wood T-Rex. I voted Balsa. I voted Balsa Wood too. Um, we, we didn't, didn't win. We didn't win. No. no. I was, I you know, that was a that was an underdog kind Damn. of thing. I was hoping. As much as I, but I like, I'm very glad that a Yoshi is moving on. Agreed. Earl St. Clair versus the dinosaur that chases Gohan. I voted Earl. Yeah, Earl took that. Okay, good. But finally, the Sinclairs are on the board. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Baby Sinclair versus Godzilla. I voted Baby Sinclair. He's uh, adorable. I voted Godzilla. Really? Yep. Oh. Baby Sinclair kicked yes. that giant lizard's ass. He's really good with the frying pan. I was about to say, yeah, he's got the frying pan. Yeah. He can wield that. Not to mama. All right, Littlefoot versus Charmander. I voted Charmander, but it made me sad inside. It was That was a tough one, and I feel like a lot of people were conflicted about this one. But Charmander came out on top. Yes. Yeah. Uh, next, Bulbasaur versus T-Bone, the extreme dinosaur. Uh, Bulbasaur for sure, right? Yeah, Bulbasaur destroyed that. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure, I said this last week and I was wrong, but th- next week we probably actually are going to have a Pokemon showdown. Bulbasaur versus Charmander. That's tough. It's Charmander, but it's tough. Fire beats grass. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, we, we say a lot of things. All right. So uh, up next is the Tyrannosaurus Dinosaur versus Resnor from Super Mario World. It's got to be T-Rex. It is so close, really? but it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. T-Rex took Whew. it. That's closer than I thought it would be, though. All right. Pterodactyl Dinosaur Dinosaur versus Rex from Toy Story. Rex, no doubt. Oh, yeah. That was probably one of the most one-sided ones. And Good. Deservedly so. James Brontosaurus versus Rex from We're Back a Dinosaur now Story. Now you listen to me, you sons of bitches. Now, Why? James took it. What? What? I've been talking shit about the audience the whole time. You just let me go. I said right at the beginning that that there was some last minute shilling. Oh, I misheard. Okay. I thought I thought that. Oh, this was I the apo- closest race. I apologize to slightly over half of you. 
Yeah. Well, you are not the worst. I mean, I voted James Brontosaurus. I assume you voted James Brontosaurus. Oh, of course I did. But it's kind of upsetting that we had to shill him that hard for literally a 51.9 to 48.1 split. Yeah. That's vicious. Oh, yeah. It was it was a tie for so long. I don't think we can shill James Brontosaurus anymore. We have to we have to let him spread his wings. He is going to be up against our final matchup. Okay. And that is going to be Spike from the Land Before Time. Oh, no. So I still want James Ronosaurus to win. Who did Spike beat? Uh, he beat Lizzie from Rampage. Oh. So I'm kind of mad about that. Spike's Spike's pretty hilarious, though. He's the high one. He's always yeah. eating them tree stars, got their bloodshot eyes. All right, guys. Oh, no. I still would like I've been you mad. to vote for James Brontosaurus. But yeah, I, you know what? I have to let it go. It was so close this week. Follow your heart. Maybe that'll take you to Euphigenia's house. I've been angry the whole time we recorded this show because I thought James Brontosaurus lost. That's uh, energy that can be channeled into one of these matchups is going to piss us off real bad. Oh, God, this is so upsetting. I don't even know why we did this. It just makes me mad and sad every week. Yeah, it really... I didn't think I'd have this strong feelings about Like, I actually get a lurch in my stomach driving here to learn... Which of my favorite dinosaurs has died again? I know, we lost Grimlock this week. That's really not okay. Yeah. He's the king of the dinosaurs. He was like, yeah, he was like in charge of like the fucking, I forget what those, what that sect of the Transformers were called. Weren't they called Dinobots? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But they weren't Dinobot. Me Grimlock, me king of Dinobots. Okay. I thought that's what it was. I don't remember. Regardless, Grimlock was my favorite Transformer growing up. Grimlock was so cool. I I didn't understand why, like, he wasn't stupid, but he didn't speak in fluent English. I love that about him. I don't remember enough about Grimlock. I just remember playing with the toy, Mm. and it was... It was a good toy. Yeah, it's a dinosaur you could transform into a robot, and this was before Beast Wars. All right. Do you have have anything else to add to this? Uh, I'm I'm tired now. I'm spent. Yeah. So we've got got 16 dinosaurs. Like, it's going to get... It's going to get rough. Yeah. I, I want to give the people time to vote. I'm going to get this edited tomorrow being Tuesday and hopefully up Tuesday evening. All right. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, <laughs> I screwed up. That could happen. We'll see. But uh, yeah, we will hopefully get a good turnout. You've got a favorite dinosaur. You want to rep that dinosaur. Maybe it's James Brontosaurus, but could at be. this point, maybe it's Spike. I don't know. Do what you must. Follow your heart and rep your dinosaur. Get him to the final four. And then, I don't know, it's going to be just fucking madness at that point. As always, you can find us online at stuckinthe90spodcast.com. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at stuckinthe90spodcast. We are on Twitter at SIT90s. Uh, special special thanks again to this week's sponsor, Neon Brainiacs. Check out their shit. It's not, it's not shit. <laughs> or it's good shit? I don't know. I'm I'm kind of shrugging at the microphone. You can't see it, but I kind of am. So check it out if you want to. It's free world, man. We're done here. I'm done here. I need to stop talking. Yeah, I'm, I don't know what's going on at I'm, this point. This is over. I've to been re- so mad the whole time. To reiterate what you said, check out this week's sponsor, Stuck in the 90s, is brought to you by Neon Brainiacs. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. For think, now. Yeah, I think that's all we've got. Yeah. The The podcast podcast is is now James Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus. Yes! We did it.